So this panel, we are hoping to engage in a good deal of, uh, much more of a conversation than presentation. So first off, I would encourage you to maybe move to a closer table so that we can all talk a little more comfortably. And the goal of this panel is to just sort of explore deeply the theme of this doxicon, which is bloodlines, family, and community, and belonging. And we've had some specific uh, looks at that in the realm of Star Trek and of Star Wars and uh, some other uh, areas of um, both Christian life and uh, fictional life. But I'm hoping we will have kind of a free-ranging conversation through all sorts of uh, different fandoms and different um, different aspects of Christianity. So we'll kind of get started once the other panelists arrive. But in the meantime, what uh, maybe maybe just to start off in your own minds, what is it that constitutes a family or community? What is it that makes you belong to? something else. Any, any thoughts or ideas about, about that as we're gathering? Yeah. Um, I've always thought that it's like a combination of three different things. Okay. Um, one is biology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another is uh, legal recognition. Legal recognition, yeah. Adoption. And then uh, love. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, true enough. Or you can have people who are not related to you in any way that have no legal connection with you, but you still keep going that they're part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, I think that's a really good distinction. Yeah. Is, is Jamie ready to join I, us? I, I, I see her popping in and out, but... Jamie, are you ready to join us? I don't know. It, do you know where she is? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, please. That's a really great question, and and in what ways maybe do, in what ways maybe do the stories that we tell that have these family-based tropes, like ending in a marriage, um, how do those shape our expectations for life, and how do our expectations for life shape our use of the tropes in the stories? Yeah, that's a really good question. 
Well, and then how how do they? Uh, I'm thinking of something like Firefly, right? Like you have a married couple um, on the ship, right? But but <laughs> but the parents on the ship are really Zoe and Captain Mao, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but it but it does kind of shape our expectations of what's gonna of how their roles are gonna be, and then it and then it messes with them. So that's always kind of fun. Um, to mess with everybody's expectations. Yeah. I don't like to color in the lines ever. So that's, you know, when people do stuff like that, I'm really happy. Yeah. Cool. Well, now that our panel is all here, um, <laughs> I know we know many of you, and many of you know several of us, but I figure introductions are a good way to formally begin. So uh, my name is Robert King. Um, I've been working with the Dogs Con Planning Committee for a little over a year now. It's been really exciting. Um, planning this con has been a great deal of fun and uh, just delving into these themes of, of community and family and belonging has been a great deal of fun for me. Um, I come from a Catholic background and um, I'm a parishioner at Blessed Sacrament Parish in Seattle and, um, and I have lots of lots of different fandoms. So uh, why don't I pass to Tanya and then and then we'll go to Jamie. And, okay. Yeah. Quick introduction. Quick, okay, quick. Um, my name is Tanya Keenan. Um, I'm, I'm the one who made herself obnoxious enough to bring Doxic into Seattle, really, is what happened. Um, <laughs> made a lot of noise. And then they said, fine, do it. Um, so, uh, Basically, it seemed like the perfect uh, conference for me because I sit around and talk about this stuff anyway with my friends, whether they like it or not. And uh, so it just seemed super fun. Um, I have a lot of different fandoms. Um, I am Orthodox. Um, I converted about 13 years ago. Sorry, I had to math. about 13 years ago, and I, uh, I grew up Christian, left Christianity, went to Tibetan Buddhism, went to paganism, like I was just, I'm all over the place. I mentioned earlier I don't color in the lines. Um, so uh, I approached the fandoms with kind of this, that, all that experience in mind, and with my heart really being in orthodoxy. So. Um, but yeah, um, I, and I also credit Star Wars for bringing me to orthodoxy, ultimately, so. Uh-huh. Right and Jamie? <laughs> Quick introduction. <laughs> I'm uh, Jamie Miller. I've been here since we started the Doxicon adventure. I am also a parishioner at St. Paul's in Briar. Um, converted from being a Baptist from the South. Um, my accent does turn up occasionally, but um, I have always been a fan of sci-fi fantasy. Um, I just didn't know it was anything different. It's just what I read, so yeah. it's what I did. Um, I made my friends go see the first Star, well, the fourth Star Wars, um, and I saw it twice. Um, they all thought. Luke was awesome, and I was a Han girl, so, yeah, from there, and and the original Star Trek, yes, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's just always been something I've done, but 
frankly, most of my friends didn't hmm. have an interest in it. I never really thought much about it. And it's only as an adult now I look back and think, wow, there are actually people who segregate along the geek, non-geek line. So, mm -hmm. so that's kind of different. But yeah, so um, I'm loving the opportunity to have the discussions we have here at Doxicon, even if I'm usually sitting out in the hall. Um, and I hope that we can continue this and grow it a bit. And I'm very excited about the new writers group that's kind of sprung out. And I am eager to see them grow as well. So I thought to, to start the conversation, we could maybe start with um, like the big three uh, fandoms or what I think of as the big three. So Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and Star Trek, um, you know, kind of the, 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 the three legacy fandoms, I guess I think of them as. But we can, we can talk about how especially more recent fandoms have more and more explicitly been picking up these ideas of family and belonging and membership. And, and I think talking about them in the context of the Christian tradition of uh, what it means to be a member of, say, the people of God or a member of the church, um, how people become members of the family of God, um, who is included, who is not, and why, and how maybe Christianity and Christian theology has impacted the way we live our lives in community and the way we tell stories and about community. Um, so does that seem like a good place to start? Yeah? Sounds good to me. Um, I, I really liked... Um, I'm sorry, your name is John, is there? I really like the way you divided mm. that notion of, of family or community into the, the biological and the legal and the, the sort of... The loving. The loving, the affectionate, the, yeah. Um, I thought that's, that was a really good distinction. Um, <laughs> you're Star Wars all the way. Do you want to talk maybe a little <laughs> bit about... <laughs> sort of how some of those themes have have kind of you know we've already had a bit of a Star Wars talk but, but oh. maybe some of your perspective on on how Star Wars has has played with those themes um, and... sure um, so I, I mean I saw Star Wars when it came out and uh, but what I what I really latched on to when I was 13 was Vampire Strikes Back um, which was, that was really pivotal for me and that was the movie that I think sowed the seeds for me to become orthodox because what I saw was, um, I saw character Luke um, learning um, about a spiritual practice, which I recognized at the time was a spiritual practice, um, and it was hard. Like it wasn't, I, and I was involved at the time in a, in a church community Mm. Right. That was um, like it was kind of like approach the altar and then and and that's and that's it. Right. Like you come up, you say a prayer and then you're Christian. And then and I and I was so I was really struggling with this idea of like that kind of approach um, versus what I saw is like, no, you got to work hard at this um, because that actually re that was actually more relevant to my life 
which was that spiritual growth was super hard. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just living any kind of spiritual life as a, I mean, as a teenager in the world was super tough. Um, so, uh, so there was this idea of being part of a spiritual community, right? Uh, Luke was learning how to be a Jedi, and um, which was also kind of bewildering because that had all these associations with his family. Um, and, uh, you know, like, oh, oh, you know, my, uh, my father was a Jedi, right? At the time, he did, that's all he knew, um, was that his father had been a Jedi and that he had this, this kind of sense of tradition, this sense of, of a lineage that he wanted to follow. Um, and that was very intriguing to me. Um, and, and I, so I, those uh, that movie really is what laid the groundwork for how I approach a lot of this. Like, um, when I was looking for a spiritual path, I was looking for something with lineage. I was looking for something that wasn't just going to hand it to me. And I was going to have to kind of work for it. And I still have to work for it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not easy. And so, um, uh, so there's that part of the spiritual community, and then there's this other part about like just the difficulty of family, and then learning, you know, like he learned a very big dark secret about his family, which is what his biggest enemy was, is also his father, um, and and an, <laughs> it's a pretty relevant struggle for a teenager, hmm. um, right? When you're trying to achieve some sort of individuation from your parents. Right? And, and, and that uh, often, so I work with, sorry, I work with teenagers in, uh, who are homeless or who are having conflict with their families. Mm -hmm. And so, <laughs> again, this, Star Wars probably laid a little groundwork there too. Um, so I see that come into play a lot where like the parents be, in order to, achieve that individuation in order to kind of separate, the parents kind of become enemies. Um, and, and that's part of the growing process. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and then there's also the aspect of chosen family. Mm -hmm. um, Luke did not know that Leia was his sister until episode six. And so, like, but he chose Leia as part of his family. He chose Han as part of his family. Um, the family of people that he, he wanted to be around and that he cared enough about to abandon his, um, to abandon his spiritual practice or his spiritual um, teachings. There's a lot going on on the internet about that, but, um, you know, <laughs> because, you know, the Jedi, we find out in the prequels, right, that the Jedi are like, you're not allowed to love, you're not allowed to do this. And so, like, it kind of breaks into, like, there's a, there's a real break into this idea of lineage, mm -hmm. right? If, if the Force is strong in families, how are people having families if they're not, uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions. Um, Indeed. <laughs> so many questions. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how Star Wars just really like exploded all these um, questions and issues for me. 
um, about belonging. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, okay, I've said enough. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Jamie, would you like to <laughs> say a little something about the impact that? Uh, Anything? Yeah. yeah, whatever. I can ramble. I can ramble. <laughs> um, I suppose that my uh, focus is a lot more scattered. Mm. But I am very invested in the uh, view of you have family of the blood and family of the heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The two may overlap or have common people, but they are also quite different things. My fam church family at St. Paul is my family because we've been <clears throat> 2,000 miles away from my family of blood for 20 some years so they have become a different family to me um, and I notice in myself that when I am reading my Dresden files or mm -hmm. watching Firefly or Buffy or whatever it is um, I'm watching them build new families and new connections and just hearing what I was do, briefly do able to Do you mean the, the characters in the show or when you're watching with the members of your church in community? The show okay, are building okay. their own families. Okay. Uh, Buffy somehow managed to build a family that included two vampires. Yeah. <laughs> yes, one who was at least occasionally repentant and, and the one who was not mm -hmm. was still a part of the family. Um, the demon, the witch, mm -hmm. the whole gamut and then the poor one guy who the Scooby with no powers at all so they were cobbled into a family mm -hmm. um, and I find that um, is a I, I find that that science fiction and fantasy in general mm -hmm. provides an avenue to see differences that are perhaps a bit more dramatic than real life I don't know that I know any vampires or, um, you know, warlocks or, or anything. I mean, who knows, but... I don't like to go in the sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do avoid the sun, so does most of my family. But, um, but just people that are that divergent from what you would think of as, as yourself, who, who become so very important to your heart. Yeah. Um, and... I just uh, have lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? No, no, no. Yeah, give me a minute. Okay, we'll come back to you. Yes. Yeah. That helps. This is completely not related to me. Okay, good. So my three favorite fan shows are Buffy the Empire Slayer. Buffy. Avatar the Last Airbender. Airbender. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Voice. Cool. Yes. 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 Um, otherwise, what, what does that represent? Who is that like for, for us? Why does that resonate so much? Mm. That's a great question. Do you have something to say about that? I do. I'll, I'll pass it back to Jane. I think in the instances, <laughs> and this is me, but I think in those instances that Doctor Who needs the common person, like the person that, that is normal, the person who is every man or every woman. 
because they bring so much to the table that is lacking in the person with the power. The person with the power seems to be this concentrated force um, with skills and abilities that, um, that kind of make it hard for them to recognize the humanity that they need, the compassion that they need, the patience that they need. I mm. mean, we've seen in several doctors who had zero patience. Mm. Um, or they start out trying to be compassionate, but it gets lost along the way. So you wonder if they were faking it all along. But these, that's why the doctor has a companion to, to help them um, connect with humanity, who, who they've chosen to kind of take care of. Yeah, but even the last year I remember, so Aang is often the one that's the compassionate one. It's like trying to bring everybody back. That, hey, we're all friends here. But he still has that. He gets in touch with his central uh, avatar of powers. He loses, completely loses his humanity. He does. So they yeah. kind of help keep him grounded. So what, like, how does that, how does that maybe connect to our own experience of family? I mean, I have my entire life wanted to uh, figure out how it is that I'm supposed to gain my superpowers because I know I have them <laughs> somewhere. I just haven't figured out where they are yet. But in the meantime... He's been playing with spiders for years. So many years. Toxic um, yeah. But... Yeah... <laughs> But it is, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about my own experience of family and, and um, it's like there's, who, who in the family is the superpowered one, the, the, who, the potentially out of control one, <laughs> and who is, the, who is the, the reining them in or grounding them one, and, and how does that kind of fit into our family dynamics. I mean, I can, I'm thinking of my own family, I, in some cases, you know, my parents, you know, when I was small, were the ones with the power, right? Um, and they did not take kindly to my attempts to, to ground them in my reality. Um, my brother was sometimes somebody that I felt was like out of control and I didn't know how, you know, what they, what he was going to do next and, and I wanted to sort of rein him in and I struggled with that. Um, but it wasn't because he was super powered, it's because he had a different personality than I do. Um, and, and he's entitled to his wrong personality, I suppose. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's like, like learning to deal with those differences. Um, but I'm really intrigued because, yeah, there, there is this sense of family built around like one core central figure that's, that's a really interesting concept. I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but but it's 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 something I'm I'm thinking thoughts about. <laughs> I, I was just you, thinking you specifically like you had something to of say. Buffy, though. Buffy yeah, yeah, yeah. brought brought the supernatural strength and relative indestructibility kind of thing yeah. going on, but then um, Giles brought his research skills. Yay, research skills! Yeah, and. Yeah. and, and, and and Willow brought eventually her kind of nerdiness in witchcraft too. And, and Xander was always a little tag-along guy, but in the end he was very important as well. So I think that for most of these alternate families, if you will, I think each 
person brings a new aspect of humanity that enhances the person who has those um, extra mm. extra abilities. That's that's what the way it always seems to me. They he, they all make a more complete unit, mm. but on their own, they're fine people, or maybe not. Mm-mm. Spike, um, um, but, um, <laughs> but they they. They are better people together mm-hmm. than they are apart. Yeah. Did you? I'm just. <laughs> um, uh, and so one of the things that I think about too, when I think about those things, is that I, I think about our our own personal power and how um, <laughs> the people that we call family, whether they're family of blood or family of the heart, um, tempers our own self-destructive. Uh, tendencies, right? And so mm. we can often um, spin ourselves up, and you know, left to our own devices. Um, but it's our families, however we define them, it's our communities that that keep us connected, and that keep us thinking about how this will impact other people, um, and and uh, just kind of keep us from focusing too too far inward. Because um, we don't want to, because that's when I think we spin out of control. Um, yeah, that's. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really great. That, that in a way, the. You know, each of us is kind of the central figure in our own family dynamic, mm-hmm. whether that's, yeah, like you said, family of blood or family of choice. And, and learning to recognize. The, the different gifts that other people bring that draw out and sort of temper our own gifts and our own faults and seeing the way that like in, in all of these and, and I'm thinking even like of the, the Batman family right where you know Batman is the central figure but he's training this this group of other people to do the same kind of crime fighting work that he's doing um, that it's, it's recognizing that, you know, maybe the reason I, I have a family is because I can't, as super powerful as I think I am, I can't do everything on my own, right? Um, and, and learning to recognize the gifts that others have and recognize that the power that I do have is not about serving myself, but is about serving others, building up that community, helping a common mission. That's, that's a really... I don't know. At least that's the insight I'm, I'm getting out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about some of these other um, sort of uh, ways of looking at family. And um, like one of the things that I noticed about like the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek, for example, mm-hmm. Star Wars puts a lot of emphasis on that family connection on, you know, I want to be a Jedi like my father and, and you know, it's that, that heritage is hugely important. Whereas Star Trek seems to always use family as a way to define yourself as an individual against something else, whether it's a, a particular family connection, you know, like, like I'm thinking of, of Spock and his father Sorek are, are kind of, um, ideologically opposed um, 
Or you think of someone like Worf, who is defining himself both in relation to and in a certain distinction from this broader Klingon culture and so on. And so, so family seems to be used in Star Trek to like define oneself as an individual, whereas in Star Wars it's kind of used to connect you to the the people that you belong to. And and I again, you know, we see in lots of these different, you know, we've been talking about areas where there is a kind of family of choice. There are a lot mm-hmm. of families of choice. Um you know, I'm thinking of the MCU where, you know, the, I mean, it's really explicit in the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yep. But but even the Avengers come together as a family. Um, I'm thinking of, of uh, Firefly is, is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry Potter. Harry, Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. Harry Potter is really interesting. Because you get both. Because you get both. Yeah, yeah. You want to say more about Harry Potter? Well, I was just... She in the Gryffindor sweater. Yeah. I'm sorry, am I representing Gryffindor today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Harry craves family more than anything. And yeah. he's been living under the stairs, and, and that stinks, right? Yeah. But he goes and he meets. Hold the mic just a little bit. Uh, he meets people <laughs> who, are, who become a family for him, and ultimately, literally, when he marries yeah. into the Weasley family. Um, but. <laughs> I wonder if you took their name. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it should be the Harry Weasley. And Harry the, Weasley Potter. Harry, yeah, yeah. But, um, but then you also have Draco and his family mm. dynamics. Yeah. And how messed up are they? And, and Sirius is that loner who broke from them. Uh-huh. Right? And then they kill him. But we but, but, but there's, there's a lot of family involved there as well. And, yeah. and the prodigal uh, Snape who falls away and comes back, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, has to um, pretend to be something he isn't in order to serve the family. Yeah. That, that you know, um, there's just so much complexity in Harry Potter in families. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. Well, I, the, I really and the whole magic muggle mudblood right. aspect of it mm-hmm. um, complicates things even further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Petunia Dursley. Huh? Yeah, let's, let's just ponder Petunia for a while. Ponder Petunia. <laughs> ponder Petunia. <laughs> so I, I guess at this point I kind of want to open it up to the to the group in terms of, like, well, kind of like you you know your favorite uh, stories, mythologies, fandoms. How do they approach this notion of family? And how does that connect to, maybe to you personally, but also to how you approach your faith and the community of faith that we each belong to? And that in, in some sense, even though we come from a, different, a number of different Christian traditions, we do belong to the broader Christian tradition, the broader Christian family together. Um, so, yeah, thoughts. Uh, I see a thought over here. Is it possible to make a brief mention about Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> um, and move on. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. Interesting, yeah, yeah. So this whole saga of this family from its origins to its end, no, this bloodline does not exist anymore. It's the, the family name is carried on by somebody who adopts it. Which is you know, uh, a matter for a great discussion. <laughs> Yeah, so this is, I mean, as Americans, we tend to be very strong on the idea of, you know, I, the individual, make my own destiny. But, but there is this element of, of, you know, well, I come from the family I come from, and that carries both both benefits and, and detriments, I guess, um, depending on the family. 
how does how does that how does that play out in our stories and how do we I don't know how do we want it to play out like I see a lot of criticism of the you know of the you know the lost heir of you know something or other or you know the chosen one as as a story trope but it does reflect a certain kind of reality doesn't it and how much how much weight does that reality carry and how much do we want our heroes to to define themselves and prove themselves um, maybe by their own merits? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some thoughts that are bubbling and I don't know if it'll make sense, but here we go. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that I was thinking about, Tim, when you were talking was that um, um, we have we have this idea that, that, that power, personal power, is defined by blood, but it's also defined by something else, right? Um, and so there's, there's um, this stuff that we inherit, and then there's just this stuff that we, that we cultivate. Um, <coughs> so this is also gonna speak to Robert's point. Um, but but um, I, I keep thinking, I keep going back to the Book of Acts where we have three mm. different Pentecosts. Um, and we have the first Pentecost where the Jews had their Pentecost. That's the one we celebrate at, at our Feast of the Pentecost. But then there were, there were two others, right? So then a few chapters later, there's, there's the Pentecost, the Samaritan Pentecost. Mm -hmm. And then a few chapters later, there's, there's the Gentile Pentecost. So like mm -hmm. this, this idea, this thing kept expanding Right. Okay. So you guys, this this was part of the. Um, they may not have been from the same tribe or from the same um, tribe of Israel. Right. They weren't. They weren't from the same um, tribe of, uh, from the line of David. Mm -hmm. But they were all Jews. And then and then it was like and then it exploded. Right. And then we're also going to take these people in. And there was a huge scandal around it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we're also going to take these people in, right? And so, like, we're just, we're, so the lineage becomes less and less important. But there is still, but then it still maintains an importance, right? We, we talk about, like, our church, the reason the church fathers are important are because, like, we have kind of a lineage here that we've created. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, so there is this idea of kind of this this importance of of lineage contrasted and also complemented by this something else, right? This other this other thing. And then when I was talk what I was thinking about when you were talking about American culture is that um, I think I think in the U.S. we have a hard time with lineage. Um, we have a hard time with high church, I think, because of that, right? Mm. We have a hard time. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of a lot of people that I've encountered who were converts into the church were like, I don't, I don't really feel comfortable bowing in front of anybody or kissing a priest's hand mm. or something mm -hmm. like that because, like, that is so royal, right? That's a that's a sign of royalty. 
and 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 we're recognizing that kind of spiritual royalty mm-hmm. in them but like Americans particularly have a hard time we've never <laughs> we've never had a sovereign like that well and we, we've kind of defined ourselves As, in opposition exactly. to hereditary yes nobility hereditary royalty yeah right. yeah yeah right and so I think it's a really interesting modern thing that we're that we do get to kind of struggle with this like well, there's lineage, and inherently I feel like that's important. But then also, then there's this other thing that's important. That's that's not all there is to it, because for a lot with a lot of um, monarchies, right, the lineage was the only thing, mm-hmm. whether they earned it or not. And so, like having somebody from Great Britain say, like, yeah, that's not all there is to it. <laughs> like you gotta have some, you gotta have something else. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I think the American culture was founded on this, this opposition to lineage because of so many abuses of this kind of lineage-only um, attitude toward social status and, and economic status. And we saw that on a personal level, and now we're beginning to see it on a much more structural level, right? That it's, it's not just the kings and queens who had these advantages, it's you know, in a sense, the, the culture that has the dominance, that has that kind of advantage. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, in a lot of um, contemporary fiction, I'm seeing those kinds of things being addressed really explicitly. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, I, I read a book uh, by a gal named Becky Chambers called, I, I think it's The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Um, any of you familiar with that? It's, it's essentially about um, a girl who comes from a, uh, like a highly connected political family and just wants nothing more to do with it, who joins the crew of a small tramp freighter of, of you know, misfits and ne'er-do-wells and, you know, people, you know, your standard sci-fi cast of, of, of misfits. And there's not much plot to the book. It's, it's literally they're making a delivery to someplace on the other side of the galaxy. Um, but as they kind of make these stops along the delivery, every stop, every episode sort of makes a point about the cultural heritage and the social structure of the galaxy and these alien races and so on. It's, it's, it's really interesting how 
kind of explicitly, it's just exploring those themes. I guess in a way that, that sci-fi and fantasy has always done from the beginning, of taking you know, the, the, the themes and the questions of our day and, and saying, well, what if, we, what if we spin that off to the extreme? Or what if we take a look at it from another point of view or something like that? So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he calls the twelve by name, not by family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The genealogy, the bloodline, is, is a, in terms of biology, is a fiction. Um, or at least an unknown factor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's, by, it's by adoption. Yeah. It's by being adopted by Joseph, not by being of the blood of Joseph, that he has this, the heritage that's, you know, that Matthew and that Luke explicitly yeah. describe. Interesting. Yes. I wanted to sort of visit back to the, sort of the reason why a lot of these things resonate. Uh, and the parish is really a model for all of us because within the parish, the priest represents the lineage but is not of the lineage by blood. It's lineage by authority. And the bishops, we have to be celibates mm -hmm. from the beginning. They come out of the monastery. And so there can't be any inheritance that way. You can't gain the power in the church above the level of the priest unless you go into the monasteries and take an entirely different route in order to prevent that kind of thing. So within an individual parish, everybody is there, is gathered together into a family with a person sort of representing the spiritual power and center. But the whole parish has to live as a group and so there are individuals who help the priest overcome any weaknesses. Mm -hmm. He's building authority with great weak human frailty, right? And so though he hears communion, he also needs a kind of frame of reference and correction. And he has deacons and he has people in the parish who are in the parish council and various things who serve roles within the church family oftentimes stretching much longer than the priest himself because the priest may change. Yeah. But the, the family family that lives within the parish, you then sort of adopt a new person who's the new superhero. Got different problems, we have to learn it all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love it. The Time Lord needs companions, right? Um, <laughs> but, um, which, which resonates really strongly, like, for me as a Catholic, and I know for the Orthodox, I don't know everybody's religious tradition here. Do we have people from the Protestant traditions in here? Yeah, so how does, how does that kind of idea of, of family lineage in the church, how does that resonate with you? Well, definitely. I mean, we're one family in Christ. Yeah, yeah. That's really not important 
So, so much more of a sense of a, a family of choice in a, in a way there. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, one thing I was wondering about as we're talking here is um, what's family going to look like in heaven? Oh, that's a great question. Because there's no marriage in heaven. We know that. Yeah. I mean, what's going to be my relation to my biological father and grandfather and great-grandfather and that? Is, is there going to be a special relationship there or is that all going to go away? Yeah. Well, fortunately, I know exactly what heaven is going to be like. <laughs> <laughs> do, do either of you have thoughts on, on that? No, no okay. I'm still undecided I on, on, on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's really interesting. I mean, the one thing we know is that the one who unites us in a family is Christ, right? So in a sense, the bloodline that we all share is the bloodline of Christ, um, and that, that we are all, I mean, not just members of a family, not just brothers and sisters, but members of a body, like, like different cells in the same body. So, so like that, that, you know, almost looking at other members of ourself in Christ. Um, and that makes God the Father, our Father, in, in a really significant way. Now what that looks like. I mean, I don't imagine God the Father like taking us out in the backyard and throwing the football around <laughs> with us. Um, there, you know, heaven is, is, is beyond the experience of this life, I think, in some ways. But um, I don't know. Does anyone who knows more than I do have, have thoughts about... Okay, someone knows more than I do. So, uh, the first general understanding is that heaven by definition is Sure, sure. From relative to this world, it is an existence that transcends the one we have now. We get little teeny peaks, uh, as the Apostle uh, Paul teaches. We sort of we see glimpses as through Christ we're transformed from glory to glory into the image and likeness of Christ, which is the image and likeness in which each one of us is created. Yeah. And since all of that is defined in your relationship to the other, Christ sits in judgment. The only thing that matters when he's sitting in judgment, goats and sheep, it's really obvious. Everybody knows he's Christ. Everybody has been serving Christ their whole life. But one group of people saw others, no matter who it was, they saw others as Christ and served them. Uh-huh. And in each one of those moments, as he says in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, if your eye is sound, your body will be filled with light. Mm-hmm. Right? So essentially, every time you interact with someone in a sacrificial way, and this all starts, you learn this in your biological family, in your orphan, baby, you essentially do this over and over and over again. Think about the list that he, the, the specific list in that same thing. You saw me naked and you clothed me. Mm-hmm. You saw me hungry and you fed me. You saw me sick or in prison and you visited me. This is his mother 
This is everyday life. This isn't going down. Yeah, this is family behavior. Yeah. Which is just fine. This is something you do when you see them immediately. Yeah. The instinct that you, you subsume yourself because you see someone else. And in that act, the two of you essentially fill yourself with a little bit of the glory of God. This is your inner light. And this has complete similitude with God. So this is the thing that survives as you approach God ultimately in heaven. What that looks like, who the heck knows. But that part of you can approach God because it has similitude. You have done as Christ did in imitation of him every day in your life over and over and over again. Now we cloak it with our image and likeness of this world that we have to have to get along. All the things you got to do to rock and roll and make money and pay the mortgage and all those sorts of things. So, of course, you're going to have in heaven, you will be very close to those people. Now, in orthodoxy, we think they're aware of this now. It's the whole reason we pray for the dead. We pray for them and we ask them to pray for us because what else did they have to do? If they, <laughs> if they were great Christians, they prayed their whole life but now they have nothing to do but pray. So, we pray with and to them, and we say, okay, pray for us. Watch out for what's going on. And we've got like an army behind us the whole time, as long as we're paying attention, which is what we're trying to do in prayer. So, By ourselves enough that we can hear. So there's kind of a double vision that we have to, to create, to see each other as who you are kind of uniquely, but also to see each other as Christ, to see... You are Christ, and you are Christ, and you are Christ, and and particularly those in need. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone it doesn't matter. Yeah, everybody has their own kind of need. Ultimately, the list of yeah, enough. fair enough. Yeah, it's it's that ability to see, eyes to see, and ears to hear. Why do you speak to them in parables? I speak to them. They have eyes, but they do not see, and mm-hmm. ears that they do not hear. They don't look at people and see, they already know. So they look at them and see it's a problem. It's an opportunity to get money. It's, a, it's not a person. Yeah. So the same in hearing is sort of the same thing. You can't hear the lesson that someone's teaching you. You already know. You're just seeing, oh, do they agree with me or not? Are they an expert? Oh, I might bother to pay attention to an expert. I'm not going to, you know, you don't bother listening first and not make up your mind about it at all. Because now if you can strip away enough of your biases, you might actually learn something. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Um, final wrap up. <laughs> um, I guess to start off with, this is a really great conversation, and I hope we can continue it. Because um, there, there are a lot of things to talk about. And I guess one of the questions that I kind of wanted to get into was what are the stories that best exemplify for you this this complex relationship of, of family and community and belonging that, that maybe uh, best present this kind of double vision of seeing the individual and seeing Christ um But we, yeah, obviously we don't have time to really delve into that, but, but maybe that's a question to, to think about going forward. Um, 
Uh, final thoughts from our other panelists, uh, Tanya? Okay. <laughs> um, well, uh, these, these discussions are always wonderful and enlightening because they uh, raise, as many, raise more questions than we've started with uh, most of the time. And so, um, for one thing, I want to invite everybody to like come to the party afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Because we can, we can keep talking. Right? We can keep discussing the, these kinds of things. Um, and so I want to extend an invitation to do that because uh, this is really the enjoyable part for me is sharing these ideas. Um, <coughs> I think that, um, and he was, uh, it was Deacon James who earlier said that um, like speculative fiction lets us play enough with the definitions. Of, of family and community that we get to we get to kind of then turn around our perspective mm -hmm. and then look take a good hard look at what we're doing um, in our own lives and and um, I feel like <laughs> this conversation has just re really reinforced that point um, that uh, that there's so much in specfic right there's so much in speculative fiction that in science fiction and fantasy that helps us turn around and take a good look. Um, and the, the magic of it, no pun, okay, pun intended. Um, the magic of it is, is that um, it's, it's just far enough away from reality that it, it, that it actually kind of grounds us back in reality. Because, um, you know, when, we, when we're too, too close, then we, it's too scary to look at. So um, anyway, so that, that's kind of my, my takeaway. I'm amazed that none of us talked about Battlestar Galactica. We can do that at the party. Oh my, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts, <laughs> uh, Kind of <coughs> on the same page. I was thinking, can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So sometimes I can't always see the strengths in the people who are sitting right next to me. Although I'm fairly familiar with yours this week, you were rocking. Um, but but these people I connect with through books and movies and things, um, sometimes they're written in a way that I can recognize their strengths or weaknesses and realize that I've been comparing them to other family mm -hmm. and draw from that as well, right? Mm -hmm. And recognize that's the quality that that helps me in this person, and sometimes I go blind to those in real life, but, but some of these fandoms help bring me back and root me in some of the things that make my family so awesome, mm. all my family. So yeah, this was a great discussion. So if you're interested, yeah, just pointing out, because I'm that kind of person, Zulu's address is on here, so do join us if you're well. Please feeling do. like it, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank so, you so much. Thank you all. And now we have, what, a short break and then our next keynote? <coughs> yeah. Rock on. Awesome. Thank, thank you very you. much. <laughs>